the goal and the joy of living in the kingdom of God is to enjoy and experience and express the reign of God, the reign of Jesus, the rule of Jesus. Hello, friends, and welcome. Thanks so much for listening. I've been wanting to do a series for people who may be familiar with um, most of the information in the Bible, but may not understand how to walk in the kingdom as a son of God. And this is kind of coming out of a conversation, uh, specifically with one new friend, just sharing the, the most valuable things that I've learned about walking with God as a son in his kingdom. And I had a great conversation with him this morning and just felt like these are some of the most important things that I've learned that I could pass on to someone else about how to walk in the kingdom. So this is a gentleman that uh, I met just on the street. Uh, He came up to me, so not kind of the normal street evangelism situation where I would approach someone maybe, but he came up to me and uh, we had a, a very interesting conversation and we've stayed in touch since then. And through that, he began to seek the kingdom of God. And so when he was telling me kind of of his experiences of seeking the kingdom of God, he was saying that things still aren't working out for me. You know, I'm still having all of these these problems and these difficulties, and I think I'm going to get a breakthrough, but then, you know, things don't work out, and maybe this isn't God's will for me. Maybe God's will isn't to bless me. Maybe I'm just not ever going to have anything work out in my, in my life. And so we looked together at John chapter 4, and in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and he says, The hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And over in John 6.63, Jesus says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And so as we step into the kingdom of God, as we step into living under God's reign, one of the first things we have to understand is that God is a spirit and that our connection with him is going to be in the spirit, that it's not going to be through a physical relationship. As I've talked about before, we're not going to send a text message to God and and get a text back or email him. Thank goodness for that. But we have this intimate, close connection that God is tied to the most intimate, deep part of us, and that is our spirit. That's what it means to be made in God's image, is to have this eternal spirit on the inside of us that gives us life. And James, James says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So it's our spirit inside of us that gives us life. And when we die, death is just the departure of our spirit from our body. Our spirit is no longer in our body, animating it and giving it life. And so that is the part of us that came from God. And Ecclesiastes says, when um, when we die, the spirit returns to God. And so the spirit is the part of us that animates us, that gives us life. It's the part of us that is connected to God. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, 
searching all his innermost parts. So it's in our spirit that God communicates with us, that God brings his illumination, that God brings his light. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. So when God's word comes into our spirit, it illuminates us, it gives us understanding. Psalm 119 also says in verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So God's word comes into our spirit and brings illumination in our spirit. And it's in that spirit that we have our connection with God. And so when we go to discern what God is doing in our life, we can't look at our circumstances. And in Romans 5.8, it says that God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when we go to connect with God, we can't look at our circumstances and say today, you know, this went really smoothly and I, I closed a real estate deal and I got the perfect parking space and, and I got the job I wanted and the relationship I wanted and everything is so good. I must be really pleasing to God and God is really blessing me and I'm really walking in God's will. Uh, and then on days where, you know, the deal falls apart and my relationship is in shambles and, and nothing is going the way I want it to, we, we look around and we say, man, God, God's not blessing me. I'm not blessed of God. Uh, you know, I, the Lord is not working in my life. Nothing's going the way I want it. God must not be doing anything in my life. That is not how we follow God as children in his kingdom. We are connected with God in our spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And so we discern God's leading and we commune with God in our spirit. And it's in the spirit that we are directed by God. You know, God says, don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding that has to be curbed with a bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. That's Psalm 32 verse 9, that God wants to have this nearness to us where we're led not by our circumstances, not like a wave tossed around to and fro, but that we have this closeness to him, this nearness to him, this connection with him that he is able to communicate with us in our spirit. And so the word of God comes into our spirit. It brings illumination into our spirit. It's, it's the lamp of the Lord is the spirit of the man. And God is able to speak things into our spirit. And the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts off very small and then it grows and it becomes bigger. And it can become this tree where, where birds can, can nest and can provide shade. But the kingdom of God begins with this word of the Lord coming into our spirit, and we begin to give control of our body over to the Lord. And so the kingdom of God begins in the spirits of men and women who yield to the lordship of Jesus and who want Jesus to reign over them and to be their king. And so they seek God, and when the word of the Lord comes to them, they're willing to submit to him. And they're willing to offer their bodies to the Lord as instruments of righteousness, that our bodies are no longer instruments of wickedness. So I offer my body to the Lord. I'm no longer going to beat my wife. I'm no longer going to use my body in sexual immorality. I'm no longer going to get drunk. I'm no longer going to use my body to cheat others or to steal from others or to hurt others. But instead, I'm going to offer my body to the Lord Jesus Christ to be his instrument to establish his righteousness on the earth. So the kingdom of God begins small 
as a little seed planted in our hearts, and it begins to bear this fruit that first we yield our body to the Lord. And then the kingdom of God can grow and expand, and it can affect the way that we interact in our relationships with our families, with our spouses, with our children. And so the kingdom of God begins to invade our family, and our family comes under the reign of Jesus as king. And then it can come into our communities, and our whole communities and churches can come under the kingdom of God, the the reign and rule of Jesus Christ as Lord. And then complete societies can be transformed if they're willing to live under the reign of Jesus. But one of the fundamental truths of understanding how the kingdom works is to be born again as a son of God, to be transformed in your spirit. So Jesus said you can't enter into the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And when we get that born again spirit, when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord, when we're baptized and we give our lives over to the reign of God, Our spirit is made new, and we offer our body to the Lord as a sacrifice to say, Lord, let my body become the instrument of your righteousness. Let my body be the thing that you use to live out your life, to express your goodness, your kindness, your loving faithfulness and mercy and grace on the earth. Use my body to show people the goodness of God then the kingdom of God is coming in us and it's coming through us. And we can grow and we can mature. This is a process of learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit, of learning how to walk in the Spirit. Because before we get born again, we're dead to the things of the Spirit. Our spiritual senses are dead. Our spiritual sight is blind. Our spiritual ears are deaf. But praise be to God, Ephesians chapter 2 says, When you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the mind and the body, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so God is so awesome, so kind, that he saves us, and he puts the punishment that we deserve, he places it upon Jesus, he gives us the righteousness of Christ, and he gives that to us as a gift, and we become righteous before God, we become blameless before him, as Ephesians says, and we get the born-again spirit. We get this righteous, perfect spirit, and we get right, perfect standing before God. We get access to the kingdom of God and all of its resources, and we begin this process of maturing, of growing up, of being transformed and becoming more and more like Jesus. And it is a process of us learning how not to walk in the flesh, of us learning how to be attentive to the Spirit of God that's leading us, that's working on the inside of us, of us becoming aware of our spiritual senses, that we realize, okay, I have this other set of senses that I can live by. I don't have to live just according to my mind and my own understanding of what's right and what's wrong. I can be led by the Holy Spirit in me. And to understand that and to move from trying to relate to God in the flesh, where you just look at your circumstances 
and you say, well, today things are going pretty good. I guess God is happy with me. Or, oh man, today things are not going well. God must be angry with me. No, we learn to mature beyond that. And we don't use our circumstances and our physical situation as an indicator of, of our status and our standing before God. But we have full confidence in the efficacy of the blood of Christ the, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sins, has freed us from the curse of sins, from the curse of the sins of our father, of our grandfathers, of our great-grandfathers, uh, all the way back to Adam, that Jesus has set us free from the curse of that sin. And we begin to walk in the Spirit. And we begin to be led by the Spirit of God. And we begin to relate to God in the Spirit. And we can interact with God, and we can be resourced out of heaven so that we can use God's resources to do God's will for God's glory. And another thing that seems to frequently trip us up sometimes, not only do we try to relate to God uh, in the flesh and, and you know, determine our standing before God according to how things are going around us, rather than relating to God in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit and being confident that our spirit has been made righteous, through Jesus, the, the other thing that I see as a problem in the lives of many people who, who have a knowledge of the Bible and who want to live for Jesus, but who haven't stepped into fully walking in the kingdom, and I know that no one fully walks in the kingdom, and I certainly don't myself. We're all at different degrees of glory. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. We're all in different stages of being made into the likeness of Jesus. But as we grow, one of the obstacles I hear in the language of the people around me is that everything that is happening around me is being orchestrated by God. And what's interesting about that idea to me, that God is controlling everything, everything that's happening is being is the hand of God at work in my life, is that I don't know that anyone would apply that to their individual actions and their own shortcomings. So what I mean by that is that when you sin or when you do something you know you shouldn't do or you don't do something you know you should do, you don't attribute that to God. And so in the same way that we wouldn't attribute our own individual sin to God, when we commit a sin, we wouldn't say, oh, God made me do that sin. In the same way that our individual sinful actions are not being orchestrated by the hand of God, we can multiply that out times about 7 billion people on the earth. That seven billion people, God has given liberty to act sovereignly and choose their own behavior, whether they do good or whether they do evil, whether they act righteously or whether they act wickedly. And so I was encouraging my friend today that, uh, number one, God is a spirit and you have to relate to him in the spirit. And number two, not everything that's happening around you is the hand of God orchestrating your circumstances. There are bad things that are going to happen to you, and it's not God doing those things. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And as believers, we can have the confidence to know that God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, but not that God causes all things, not that God is the one behind all things. And I think that's important to understand because I think it confuses our hearts when we know God is good, when we want to believe God is good, and then when we hear evil being attributed to God, when we see evil things happening, and then people say, 
oh, well, God, you know, God did this for this reason, or God did that for that reason. Um, God can work anything out for good, but let us never attribute wickedness and evil to God. Let us recognize, yeah, God's going to work that out for good, but God didn't do that. And so I was just exhorting my, my friend today that, yes, relate to God in the spirit. Don't relate to God in the flesh. And two, don't be discouraged when, when these difficulties and when these problems come into your life. These things are bound to come, and it's not God who's bringing these things against you. And the goal of living in the kingdom, living under Jesus' reign, is not to attain to a life of ease and comfort and convenience. The goal and the joy of living in the kingdom of God is to enjoy and experience and express the reign of God, the reign of Jesus, the rule of Jesus. When Jesus rules, things are good. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. And so the worshipers God seeks must worship him in spirit and truth. And the joy of being alive is to be in relationship and worship God and to know him in the spirit. It's not to be independent and self-reliant and not have any problems in life. Now, the other thing that I discussed with my friend and I told him, and I think it's really useful to appreciate, is to recognize how blessed we are. If you have the gift of being able to read, if you are literate, that is such an amazing, amazing gift that for so much of human history, so many people have not had the privilege of being able to read. And now in this day and age, to be able to read is such an amazing gift. It means that you can learn almost everything anything. What a great gift to be able to read. And number two, if you have a Bible, you are so extraordinarily blessed. If you know how to read and you have a Bible to read, the secrets of the kingdom of God are available to you. What an extraordinary, extraordinary gift. The living oracles of God are at your fingertips to be discovered and to be learned. What an awesome, awesome time to be alive when so many people have access to the Word of God, and so many people are literate. Praise the Lord for these two great gifts. So, God bless you. I hope that's helpful to you. Thanks so much for listening. Your excellence, God, you're beautiful.